CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Today on the Online Inquirer podcast, let's zoom out on Illinois basketball a little bit, shall we? We have Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports college basketball writer and Illini Inquirer alum. We are very proud of what he is doing for the 24-7 sports national crew, and he's given us great insight, and he joins us today on the pod to say and talk about how much he buys into this Illini team from a national contender, from a Big Ten contender perspective. What does Illinois need to do to actually push Purdue? What concerns does he have heading into Big Ten play? And then we break down the Big Ten. Who are the actual contenders? Who can potentially push their way into that top tier with Illinois and Purdue, uh, if anyone is able? How many NCAA tournament teams are actually in the Big Ten? Uh, And then we zoom out nationally, and Isaac breaks down the teams he feels most confident can make a long run uh, in March. What we've learned so far during the first two months of the college basketball season. Always love catching up with my guy, Isaac Trotter. Let's do that next right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein-plus, and more wholesome options. So cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. All right, it's time to catch up with our guy, Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports National College Basketball writer. Just put out a hundred things, I think, story about college basketball. That's how much he watches. How much fun is this, Isaac, uh, getting to watch all this college basketball? Yeah, it's super fun. I I feel like this is the best time of the year, and I'm starting to get a good feel for a lot of teams. But now we have like all these preseason priors that we have to readjust a little bit too as we get new information. Transfers playing now with the two-time transfers now allowed to play, so everything's different. But it's awesome. It's uh, it's a really really fun job. Yeah, I want to dive into the Big Ten. What you think of that outlook? If anybody can pu- push Purdue, and and I want to get your thoughts on on the national landscape as well. But let's let's focus, of course first on Illinois how much are you buying Illinois right now at nine and two heading into their non-conference finale 
Yeah, I feel really good about this team, especially defensively. You know, I think the process defensively has been really sound. Illinois so far this year has allowed the second most um, mid-range jumpers. They're they're doing what they do best. They take away threes, they take away good shots at the rim, and they force you to beat them with a lot of tough twos. And I remember when Kofi Coburn left, everyone's like, well, they're going to play different defensively. We'll get to do all these different things. They're doing a lot of the same things defensively and having a lot of success. And when you have a defense like this to go along with an, an offensive maestro and Terrence Shannon and all of these old veterans that just work together in a really, really good piece and, and kind of good puzzle. I think it's a really good combination. I think, too, the body language with this team is noticeable. This is a team that seems to play like they like each other, and that's a that's a big step in the right direction. And the, the passing, the playmaking, the, the connectiveness, the defense, the length, like it, it all just kind of works. And so far, so good for this Illinois team. And I think early in the year, I was a little skeptical about how high the ceiling was. And I think the ceiling or the arrow for this team has completely changed where, you know, you talk about them as a top 10 team in the country. You talk about them as a legit contender with Purdue. And I think it's all warranted, even if Purdue might have done a little bit more so far this year. Terrence Shannon, how many, if you were drafting guards in the country right now, what pick is Terrence Shannon? Yeah, I think he's the first guard that goes off the board. Uh, and that's that's saying something because there's a lot of really good players. It, the Big Ten has the best two players in the country, in my opinion. And that's kind of crazy <laughs> with how it's been so far this year. But Zach Eady's been awesome. Terrence Shannon has been the second best player in the country. And then you're talking about guards. It's Tyler Kolek. It's Isaiah Stevens, who Illinois fans probably know a little bit about with that flirtation about a potential transfer portal entry. Uh, those are the type of, guy, type of guys there. Kevin McCullers had a fantastic year. David Jones, another familiar name, has had a fantastic year but Terrence Shannon has been right up there near the top uh, leading the country in transition points per game the ability that he has to make better decisions this year on the fly like quick decisions on the fly that are correct feels like the biggest game changer for me because everything about his game like he he makes it look easy but he's now making the tough decisions look easy as well and so I think the assist rate doesn't necessarily represent how well he's playing and, you know, Illinois' point guard issues is a thing, but like Terrence Shannon Jr. is making a lot of those big decisions for them. And when you have a fifth year senior like this who's playing at an All American level, who can score at the rim, can score from three, we've seen what he can do when he gets to the free throw line and in the open floor. You know, I, yesterday, like I went through and looked at all of his and ones. Like it's just absurd. Like I think he has 12 and ones so far this year. Like he just he just barrels through people. It's a he is a cheat code. It just looks differently because he's not seven foot four and three hundred pounds like Zach Eady. Yeah, the decision making, the skill has improved. That that is for certain. But the, the consistent uh, assertiveness for me is what what I love to see because you, you saw these glimpses of all this talent last year. But I kept being like, man, does he know he's the best player on the court? Does he know he's the, this team's leader? Uh, and, and he's doing that now. And uh, man, I, I didn't know if he could a 23 24 year old would be a first round draft pick if he could improve his stock that much but in in a bad draft Isaac I think he's setting himself up pretty well he is and you you look at Jaime Jaquez and what Jaime Jaquez did for UCLA last year you know he was he's like one of my favorite players in college basketball maybe ever like ever since I've been watching college basketball what he can do every little part of his game he's so good at it he's just a great defender he was really good at at creation he could post up guys he can hit catch and shoot threes he could defend five positions he could defend three positions really elite he kind of played point guard right for Mm -hmm. UCLA last year and now you see what he's doing with the Miami Heat 
you know, I think he was the 18th or 19th pick of the draft and just the ability to come in and impact the team in a lot of ways. And they've entrusted him in a lot of ways. What what Jaime Jaquez was to UCLA last year is a lot of what Terrence Shannon is to Illinois this year of just he makes everything work. And when you have that alpha like that, it makes everyone else's job so much easier. But I think it also is translatable to the next level. Like, yeah, he might not have one thing he's like super, super special at. And I think Terrence has a couple of those special, special traits, but he just helps in so many different areas of his game right now. And, you know, you look at those NBA mock drafts and I'm not an NBA mock draft expert. I leave that to other people, but the tape is really, really good for Terrence Shannon right now. And I think he's answered a lot of the questions that he, you know, was given in Chicago when he was there at the NBA Combine. I think you're feeling better about his supporting cast too, right? After the last couple of games, Coleman coming back and making a more consistent offensive impact. Quincy Carrier just taking off here. And Marcus Domask, I know the one game against Fort Atlantic is a little bit of an outlier, but he's scored double digits four of his last five here. So I'll throw this to you. This is kind of a good thing for Illinois, not knowing the answer. Who is the second most likely all Big Ten player? that Illinois has right now behind Shannon. Yeah, I think it should be Coleman Hawkins, but I think it's probably going to be Marcus Domask. That's kind of my answer for that. You know, Coleman Hawkins defensively so far this year, Illinois has been way better with him on the floor. Uh, you know, I, one thing I look at too is the turnover rate that Illinois causes. They're at about a 16% turnover rate when Coleman Hawkins is on the floor defensively. It's only 11% when he's off the floor. So you're able to do a whole lot more when Coleman's on the floor defensively. I think he causes a lot of havoc. And, you know, last year it felt like Coleman had his hair on fire defensively trying to cover up gaps oh we missed this like we got something wrong oh someone got back cut oh a, a switch got busted and he feels like way more like in he feels way more comfortable this year defensively he can kind of just be himself and yeah, I think that the Big Ten is going to give him a lot of opportunities for him to showcase his game as a stretch five against some really advantageous matchups and defensively, I think he's their probably their second best defender or probably their best interior defender, but maybe their second best defender overall. And so he should probably be their second best player. But I think Domask also is going to have some nights where, yeah, he might not get 33, but I think he's going to have some nights where he leads his team in scoring. Mm -hmm. And that's going to play in Big Ten play. And I think them their ability to find the right mismatch for Domask to hunt is going to be very fascinating because you look through this Big Ten and, you know, Indiana has some small guards that you can go after. When Xavier Johnson's healthy, you can go after him. Iowa, you can go after a lot of guys in that Iowa rotation. Maryland, you got some freshmen that Marcus Domasi is going to put on an island. Michigan, you know, every time you play Michigan, Doug McDaniel has to be the guy that you go after. So I can go up and down these rosters. Like, Domask is going to have a night you know, pretty often during Big Ten play where he's going to have a really good advantage and he's going to be able to go to work. So it's it's a good problem to have when you have a bunch of different guys that you could potentially have as all Big Ten guys. But, you know, it's also that one thing where it's like, you know, last year we had a lot of people not really buying in on Purdue's supporting cast because Zach Eady made everybody's life so much easier. I, I wonder if we're going to have a similar conversation with Illinois supporting cast because, like, man, that Terrence Shannon guy is really, really good. and He makes everything so much easier. Well, Isaac, what do you make of Brad Underwood's impact on all of this? Um, whether it's his off season, the scheming, as you said, they, they've changed it up to where their offense is pretty simple. Find, find the mismatch, get it, and then attack it. Uh, what have you made of Brad Underwood coaching this team through 11 games? 
Yeah, it's funny. You kind of like think about, remember when Brad Underwood brought up like that Boston Celtics, hey, we're going to be like the Boston Celtics and everyone's like kind of cringed at it a little bit. Like what Illinois is doing right now is a lot of NBA-ish like, like that's kind of what the NBA game is, is find the mismatch and attack it in certain matchups and what buttons can you press? And so far this year, it's kind of nice to finish bragging rights and not have to do a huge schematic adjustment, right? (laughs) Like you don't have to change everything about what you do. And that's a, I think that's a credit to this staff of being ready. I think it also goes into the roster construction, too, of like building a roster that has a lot higher floor and doesn't necessarily need these monster, monster tweaks. And I think Mike Latulip brought up a really good point, uh, I think, yesterday on your podcast or maybe a couple of days before. Where he, this, this offense has changed a little bit, you know, when they were doing a lot of split actions earlier in the season. Now they're kind of like finding more of the mismatches, doing a lot more post-ups. Like, they still have that, though, in their bag. Like, they can do a lot of different things. And I think Brad Underwood deserves a ton of credit. I think he's probably on the inside track for Big Ten Coach of the Year with this with this group so far, with how he's helped this group, you know, outplay preseason expectations. And, you know, I think he's also put a lot of trust into his staff. And I think we'd be remiss not to bring up Tyler Underwood's impact on this group. I think he's done a really nice job. As If you watch the games, like, he's the one – putting all the signals in for their offense. So I don't necessarily want to call him the offensive coordinator until Brad Underwood says that, but he's kind of engineering a lot of that right now. And I think this offense looks very connected and very, very steady. Like, I feel like you know what this group is going to be. And that's even with a team. I mean, they're only shooting 32% on catch and shoot threes. It's not like they're monstrably like so much better shooting the ball from downtown, but they're just getting and creating a lot better looks. So I think Tyler Underwood and Brad Underwood deserve a little bit of uh, a credit for that. All right, let's pour a little cold water on this, right? I mean, you're feeling good, but what concerns you over a 19-game Big Ten slate starting next week? Yeah, I still have some concerns about what this group looks offensively without Coleman Hawkins on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, Dane Danger has had some moments where you've seen the good from him, but you've also seen the bad with the turnovers and the decision-making. But I think Illinois' offensive rating without Coleman Hawkins, we got a big sample size of that too because Coleman missed a few games. It's like 15 points per possession worse. So they're still a decent offensive team without Coleman Hawkins on the floor, but they're like awesome defense or offensively when, when yeah. Coleman's on the in the game. And so those are some of those concerns that I have during a long Big Ten slate. Like you're going to have injuries. You're going to have times where, you know, bad Coleman Hawkins games because that's just what happens in the Big Ten. And this group, this this league is so well scouted. So my, my concern is like what does this offense look like when, you know, Coleman's not on the floor? Like how can you do some things differently? Like do you – like if if Amani's not ready, if Dane is still being inconsistent, do you have times where you put Quincy Guerrier at the five? Do you mess around with Ty Rogers being more of that point forward decision maker from the high post area? So I think that there's a lot of like those unanswered questions about what this group looks like when you don't have your stretch five making threes or when your stretch five is struggling to make shots. And that's when I feel like this group could run into some issues offensively is if Coleman Hawkins isn't effective or making the right decisions or not on the floor that's when it could get a little bit like, okay, now it's ISO ball again. And we've seen, we've seen that kind of go downhill in big 10 play at times. I feel like we might get our answer in a week when Illinois goes to Mackey um, because Illinois has got two games against Purdue, which is great for their resume. It's, it's potentially great for the big 10 race, but do you think Illinois can legitimately push Purdue in the big 10 this year? I do. I, I, you know, I, I was looking at the schedule, right? Uh, so here we go. Penn State and Minnesota were the two teams that we thought would be the worst. Yeah. Illinois only gets them once. So you're like, okay, that's not necessarily great. Purdue only gets them once as well, though. So you're kind of on even ground with Purdue. And if you remember last year, that first half, Dane Danger played a ton against Purdue. 
the second half when Illinois went on that huge run, that was kind of like the the signature Coleman Hawkins at the five moment. Can't we started wait for to that see matchup. a little bit of that. Yeah, that's right. Like we started to see it's like, oh, that proof of concept of Coleman at the five is huge. Now, I haven't talked to Brad Underwood about this. I haven't talked to any of the staff about this, but I wonder if that like in the back of their head, that like 20 minute scheme where, where Coleman at the five has really impacted their roster construction moving forward. And like doubling down on Coleman at the five. And like, this is what we need to be. Because that second half there against Purdue was when, I mean, Zach Eady struggled to finish over Coleman Hawkins. Coleman Hawkins gave them a lot of problems. So this matchup is going to be fantastic. Now, on the counter end, Illinois plays a lot of drop coverage. And Braden Smith this year has been a phenomenal drop coverage killer and has been coming off ball screens ready to go. I mean, he is his pull up off the bounce dribble, dribble numbers are just phenomenal. And he's been terrific this year. Fletcher Lawyer can also do a lot of those similar things. Like Illinois wants to bait you into taking those tough shots. Purdue's best two guards are making a ton of those tough shots at a high clip right now. So that's like the yin and yang with this group. Like Purdue doesn't necessarily have like that high-end athleticism that Illinois has, but the skill level and the shot making that Purdue has, oh, and Zach Eady, like <laughs> kind of helps. So this this matchup is just fantastic. So to answer your question, I do think so. The schedule is pretty similar between Illinois and Purdue and Big Ten play. And, and this is a this is going to be a gauntlet. I think Purdue at home is – I would be stunned if they lost a game at home this year. That's just how it is. Yeah. And Illinois has to have that similar type of impact at the State Farm Center. You just can't lose home games in the Big Ten if you want to compete for a Big Ten title. What's that Sean Harrington thing, the plus one, minus one? Yeah. I still think about that once in a while. Uh, it, it, getting plus ones on the road is huge. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Well, Purdue has the best resume so far uh, in, in yes. the country. They, they have the one loss to Northwestern, uh, so Houston is undefeated still. Um, but Purdue has the best wins in the country. Uh, they are on track to get a number one seed. Where do they rank among your national title favorites? I mean, they're right there with everybody. You know, I, I've i thought a lot about, like, this question of, like, what's the best team, like, the best version of, of a team that we've seen this year? And it's hard to argue that Purdue's yeah. best version isn't better than everybody else's. You know, when, when Edie's able to get to the line, when Edie's fouling out multiple guys in, in the opposing team's front court, when when the when Braden Smith has really improved and Fletcher Lawyer's improved, it, it's really something special. And I, the other thing that's underrated about them is those three guys are so good, but they have so many different pieces that they can fit and put in the fourth spot or the fifth spot. Maybe it's a Lance Jones game. Maybe it's Miles Colvin. Maybe Mason Gillis is coming in knockdown catch and shoot threes. Maybe Cam Heidi is a redshirt freshman. Like Purdue's doing this thing again with redshirt freshmen, where they just are able to come in and be really impactful. You know, Ethan Morton. 
I, I don't think he is an awesome Big Ten player, but they don't have to play him 27 minutes a night anymore. They can play him eight, or they can play him 10, or they can not play him at all. Like And so like those are like the parts of this Purdue team, just the depth and the continuity. That, I think their continuity ranking on Ken Palm's like maybe top two or top three in the country. And it makes sense. They play like that. And so when you're looking at national title contenders, you know, Purdue has faced a gauntlet this year. I mean, their wins are absurd. Gonzaga, Xavier, Tennessee, Marquette, you know, Iowa at home is uh, Alabama, Arizona, like, good Lord. Like that's like an unbelievable stretch. Like their stretch of games that they want at Maui might be tougher than the three games they could see in the NCAA tournament. So that's the type of level that they've been playing at. And, you know, I think Purdue – runs their program the right way, I think a lot of people would be really happy if Matt Painter went on a run in March because it feels like yeah. he's been, you know, he kind of deserves <laughs> deserves a moment. And this team is really, really capable because their player development has been so, so good. All right, Trotter, in your Big Ten rankings, you have Purdue 1, Illinois 2? I do, yeah. I, I think that um, it, it felt like Wisconsin was kind of on the doorstep of potentially making that a conversation with Illinois. But Wisconsin's loss to Arizona. Illinois goes on the road to Tennessee, f- puts up a fight, loses late. Wisconsin goes on the road to Arizona and gets their doors blown off. And so like, that's kind of like how I, how I separate those two, but I feel like there's a, a a little tear gap between Illinois, Purdue or Purdue, Illinois, and then the rest of the big 10, just because those, those two teams at the top, they have alphas, all American alphas, and then an old supporting cast. It just makes a lot of sense. And not a lot of other teams in the big 10 can kind of say that. If you, if you had to pick a team that could get in that tier, whether it's the top with Purdue and Illinois, or maybe that, you know, one B with Illinois, what would it, who would it be? Who who do you think would crack that? It's Wisconsin, it's Ohio state and Michigan state. Those are like the three teams that are starting to feel like they're playing a little bit better. Uh, Wisconsin's the, 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 the beauty of Wisconsin is that like Connor season has become like out of the rotation. It doesn't matter. Like they have a freshman that's come in and John Blackwell, and he's been awesome for them this year, just making everything really good rebounder, good catch and shoot guy from three. And like, so they can kind of afford to not have a season. Now, Chucky Hepburn got beat up um, and and a little bit nicked up in their last game. So we'll see if he's back and ready to go for Tuesday for their opener against Iowa. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting one to monitor, but like that team just makes a lot more sense. Steven Crowell is playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, Tyler Wall looks a little bit healthy, although he still can't finish with his left hand, which I'm still <laughs> frustrated by. Uh, and then AJ Store has come in and started to really solidify himself as a go-to alpha. So when you have Chucky Hepburn as your second best player and Tyler or Steven Crowell as your third best player and Tyler Wall is like your fourth best player, I feel like that makes a lot more sense. So that's the team that I I, I really like. Ohio State too. You know, it's a really young team. We've seen their youth on display with that loss to Penn State in the game they really controlled. But their schedule is really huge, too. They just have one game against Illinois and Purdue, and they get two games against Minnesota and Penn State. So I think maybe, like, they got a little bit of a break there from the conference scheduling thing. Now, they already lost once to Penn State, so they didn't take advantage of it. But that's one of those situations where they they might have a little bit of a softer conference slate that could put them in that mix. So Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State. Uh, Assuming you think those five teams will make the tournament, do you feel safe about any other teams in the conference? Not really. 
to be honest. It's been it's been really, really frustrating because there's so many one-way teams. We talked so much about two-way guys. The Big yeah. Ten is filled with one-way teams. Northwestern has they're very one-way right now. Like they can they have some moments defensively and it's boo-booey offensively, but they're really thin. Like Michigan is awesome offensively and atrocious defensively. Nebraska has some moments where you feel like they're not the skill level isn't quite there. Indiana, I'm not sure they're good at anything right now. Like so they've had a lot of those there's a lot of those teams where it's like maybe they have one thing they're good at but they don't have that second thing they're very good at maryland right like great defensively but just atrocious right now from an offensive standpoint so it, it's one of those weird things where you don't want to put too much into preseason priors but we've had a lot of evidence now we're at 12 13 games now for most of these teams and the bubble for the big 10 is not as deep as it used to be you know northwestern i think would be on the right side of the bubble right now you feel good about what nebraska and indiana could potentially get into the tournament but I mean, this is not some Big Ten that I think could get 10 or right. 11 teams in the tournament. Like, it feels like five right now is for sure, probably six or seven. And whether that's Northwestern, Nebraska, maybe Michigan can sneak into that. Like, that's where that group feels. Because some of the middle teams in the Big Ten have been really disappointing. Iowa has been really, really disappointing. That's a team that looks like they're in real trouble. And Rutgers is another team that looks like they're kind of geared up for next year when they have their star yeah. freshman coming in. So who is the most disappointing team in the Big Ten for you so far? I got mine. Yeah, I I think the right answer is Iowa, to be honest. Mm. You know, this is a team that, like, they, they should be better, you know. And, and you look at some of what they've put together in the portal. You know, Ben Creaky out of uh, Valpo is a really good get. But, you know, Peyton Sanford, we kind of expected a little bit more from him. And, you know, it's these veterans, right? Like, I, I'm not worried about Creaky and, and Peyton Sanford. Those guys have been really, really solid. But it's the veterans coming back that have kind of left you a little bit wanting more. Like, Patrick McCaffrey has had a pretty rough year. DeSante Bowen up and down you know josh Dix hasn't really had that breakout spot that we thought from tony perkins is kind of up and down and it's like you you replace all of these all americans and now it's starting to the re reach the point where it's like now are our freshmen like the most competent guys on the roster like are they the ones that actually care and so it's like multiple times i'm watching iowa i'm like does anybody want to play hard and like want to compete in these games and so like those are the frustrating things when you know yeah. you you get your doors blown off by purdue on the road you get your doors blown off by iowa state on the road you come home and you you let michigan beat you by 10. And so, like, those are the frustrating parts of this Iowa team. Like, it feels like the young guys might have to start really taking the group by the – like, the bull by the horns because this is a this is an older team that doesn't necessarily play like it sometimes. Yeah, for me, it's still Maryland. Like, I know they just beat yeah. UCLA. That's not a great UCLA team. It's a very young UCLA team. They've won four straight, but Penn State in overtime at home. Nickel State by six at home. Uh, and they've lost to Davidson, UAB, got uh, blown out by Villanova – lost double digits at Indiana. I thought that was a team that could be as good as Illinois. I thought that was a team that could be, you know, maybe where Wisconsin uh, is right now. So I just feel there's too much talent for that team not to be good. And uh, it just feels like something's off there. Like I, I was kind of buying into Kevin Willard, the whole thing. Uh, but I just – they got plenty of time. The Big Ten's given plenty of chances to win. They can still make the tournament. But a team with Jameer Young, Julian Reese, Deshaun Harris-Smith, I know he struggled with Dante Scott, like – that's a lot of talent, man. No, it totally is. That's, I think, the probably the correct answer. Um, Iowa's maybe more of a personal thing for me. Just watching yeah. them like makes me frustrated. Well, but you're and, right. And Fran's like, been so right. good. Like, I mean, Fran's been so good with that program, kind of overachieving over the last five, yeah. six years. That, yeah, it, it, it's it's weird to see them drop potentially all the way to the bottom of the Big Ten. 
It is. And and the thing with Maryland, too, like if you look at Bart Torvik, if you remove preseason priors, Maryland hasn't just been a disappointment. They've been the worst team in the Big Ten. Like, I, like they've been the worst team. And like, I picked them second to start the year. I thought I was like, I thought I was like kind of being smart. Like I'm fading Michigan State, going to pick Maryland to win this, be second in the league. And like, it just hasn't worked. And you're right. It's like when you have three guys that come back in Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott that are all playing very similar roles and it's still a mess. That's, that's really weird. And, you know, they've, they've really experimented a lot with Jordan Geronimo playing on the floor with Reese and with Scott. And there's just not enough skill. And that's that's some of the things that have run into some issues. You know, they can win rock fights and they can win games when Jameer Young has to go for 37. I mean, Jameer Young went for 37 points and you scored 69 as a team. Like that's that's a problem. That's a really, really big problem. And I, I just don't know if it's fixable yet unless, you know, Jahari Long, uh, Jamie Kaiser or, or Deshaun Harris-Smith really start playing at a, at a much different level. And maybe they can. You know, maybe, maybe Young can put his, this team on his back. We've seen Will, Willard's a really good coach. We've seen him get teams to play better down the stretch and we know they have a great home court advantage but you, you know you're right this is a team that we thought could potentially compete with for the league and they've been the worst team through 12 games do you have a sleeper team in the big 10 somebody who will finish better than people expect yeah I, I i still think ohio state has been playing really really well you know that one game against penn state sticks out as like a kind of an outlier but that is a really really good team uh dale bonner has been the best guard off the bench in the big 10 you know so far this year and then you add that to bruce thornton roddy gale i think is a pro who can potentially stick stick in the league for a little bit Jamison Battle is your third best player, so much better than Jamison Battle is your first best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, again, Felix Okpara, the, Ohio State's defensive numbers, phenomenal when he's on the floor, especially at the rim. So you, they have a really, really young team, but their sophomores don't play like sophomores. They're, they're older guys. And so when you have all of those sophomores that played so much, it's like hard to call them sophomores because they, they've got so much experience. And I think that's a team that can definitely finish in the top five in the Big Ten. It's probably the team that I'm – like thinking ahead, like could be the team to beat next year. Like, I mean, Bruce Thornton comes back, Okpara comes back, Roddy Gale. Like, if all those guys come back, like that's a that's a team that I look for. This could be the the takeoff year. And then next year's the year where they they're, they're great. Kind of like Io Desumu's sophomore year or something like that. Yeah, you took the comp out of my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. And you know, this is a group too that I think in the tournament they have a lot of the firepower to potentially win a couple games. Like, can this yeah. be a second weekend team? Absolutely, because those guards can really shoot it. Thornton, Gale, B- Battle, and Bonner are all like upper thirty-eight percent from three or over this year so far this year. So having that shot making, having that skilled size, and you know, then then they also the sneaky underrated one was Evan Mahaffey out of Penn State, that freshman who when you can play on the for a for a Micah Schreiber, team as a freshman that says a lot he's kind of come in and he's not necessarily wowed you offensively but defensively does a little bit of everything he's going to be the guy that guards Terrence Shannon Jr. when Illinois plays Ohio State all right you watch all this basketball to this point Isaac what is the team you are most confident is going to make the final four this is an idiotic question answer but we're, we're two months into the season who do you feel best about once you get to the tournament can I give you three? Uh, Purdue, I think that's a really great team. I think UConn, a healthy UConn, has been uh, just complete 
you know, they're a machine. They're a war machine right now. But Arizona is the team I keep going back to as like they just make a lot of sense together. And, you know, when you have a backcourt of Caleb Love and then you throw in Kylan Boswell and Pella Larson, like that's a great starting backcourt. But I used a baseball comp with them. Like their fourth and fifth starters, KJ Lewis and Jaden Bradley, are so much better than everyone else's fourth and fifth starters. So they have those guards that they can bring off the bench are just phenomenal. Umar Balo is awesome. Kishad Johnson's been one of the top five to seven transfers in the country this year. So they went into the portal and got the right players for the right spots. Caleb Love's been great. Kishad Johnson's been great. And they can just play a lot of different ways. They they can play big. They can play small. They have a load of guards. They have a ton of shot making. And, you know, Kylan Boswell has kind of had some iffy moments against high-level teams this year. I think that's got a little bit fluky. And if he can find that shooting stroke in March – boy, this team does not have many flaws. So I think they're they're built to win four, five, six games in, in, in the NCAA tournament. I was high on Marquette early. Should I keep my Marquette stock? You should. Yes, absolutely. That's a that's that team's been one of my favorite watches so yeah, far this year. Yeah, that's a really, really great team to watch. You know what they do, uh, their culture. They, they real. That's a really connected team. Like you, I've been up there. I saw them in person play a couple times. You just see how they interact with each other. Uh, the post game pressers are fun with them. Like that's a really, really interesting group. And Kolek and Cam Jones have been phenomenal so far this year. But they're looking for that third guy. That's still the major question. Can it be David Joplin offensively? You know they've had some injuries as well too but Illinois fans saw that one up close and personal that's a team that's played a great schedule so far this year and they got a big one coming up in Big East play when when they play Creighton on Saturday but yeah I have no doubts about that Marquette team you get them in March you get them any draw and you're going to feel pretty good because you feel like you have the best point guard in the country so let me throw this at you of the three elite teams Illinois has played in the non-conference Tennessee Florida Atlantic Marquette like who do you feel best about like FAU Mark like FAU that's an obviously great win that is holding up incredibly well and Illinois showed it can compete with Tennessee and Marquette but who, who do you feel best about about those three teams well I love them all like the <laughs> all three of those teams are are great like yeah. I you know FAU it feels like you need to punch them like nine times to knock them out in a game like they are so it's resilient the, it's the Austin Powers why won't you die yeah <laughs> they just they just do not quit like they are just relentless you know Tennessee is a team that you know, they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. Illinois got the best version of the Dalton Connect show, but yeah. they have a lot of other ways. They've shown that they can beat NC State when Connect doesn't play in the second half. And they've they've won a lot of games in different ways. Marquette, we've seen as well. So I think all three of those teams are like like no one would be stunned if all three of those teams are in the final four like at all like those are really really excellent teams and from illinois perspective you feel like you're really battle tested because they're all a little bit different like marquette and fau kind of beat you with skill and and tennessee can try to like beat you with like power and mm-hmm. a strength and athleticism and a star like so you've seen a lot of different styles here not necessarily big 10 styles so to speak but you've seen a lot of different styles like if you're going into march and it's like hey it's a sweet 16 game and here comes fau and then here here comes Marquette if you get the winner like you're kind of prepared for stuff like that all three of those teams are are battle tested and ready to go like I I love all three of those teams I think they're top 10 teams in the country all three of them do you feel kind of getting off your point like Underwood has kind of wanted to get away from the the Big Ten style do you think that's going to pay off I think it has to. I think Illinois plays a little bit differently than a lot of other teams in the Big Ten and and that's a good thing you know Illinois posts up a lot and they, but they do it differently. You can win with post-ups. There's nothing wrong with post-ups, but I think it's really kind of getting your roster to look more like a, 
you know, an athletic SEC type of caliber roster that can play a little bit more on an every single day, different game in, in, in the conference or in the, in the big, in the big dance, because this, this team is so big and so physical and mm -hmm. so fast. Like they have so much power and that's, that's a little bit different from those big, big 10 teams in the past. It kind of reminds me, not the exact same, but it kind of reminds me of those Michigan state, like just yeah. loaded with athleticism teams that are just going to punk you on the glass. And, that type of stuff, like if you could rebound, if you can enforce your will, like that stuff really plays in the big dance. And especially when you're playing some of those like, you know, the Chattanoogas of the world or those really good like Indiana State this year. Like you're going to have like those power that you could really instill on teams. And this team doesn't look like a big 10 team. They look like an SEC team. They look like one of those big 12 teams. Yeah, no, you reminded me like when Michigan State mid-teens would come in with, with Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and one great point guard. But all of these dudes, and I watch it Illinois now, and I'm like, that's what Illinois looks like. Illinois looks like a, a Michigan State roster of just these long NBA-type athletes, two-way guys, a front court that's deep as heck. They're lacking that true point guard, um, but they just – the Ty Rogers, Amani Hands, but these are guys that – Izzo would have gotten in years past. And then you had a Terrence Shannon who looks like a Miles Bridges. You have Quincy Garrier who looks like an NBA big man. Coleman Hawkins looks like an NBA big man. Like, Underwood has built a heck of a impressive roster uh, of, of talent, of athleticism, and of size. And I look at the guys who don't play. Like Amani Hansberry is a 6'8", 225, like really good recruit that probably would be playing a lot for a lot of teams. Dane Danger is a six foot nine skilled big man that would play for a ton of teams. Would be crushing it for Great Minnesota right now, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like a 17 and 11 player right there. You yeah. know, I you know, we there's been a lot of talk about the whole freshman thing. That's which is total BS because if you look through the entire league, all the good teams aren't playing freshmen. Like very rarely are any freshmen playing. But like Dre Gibbs Lawhorn's a really talented, uber athletic player that, you know, five, six, seven years ago would probably be a starter for, for <laughs> yeah. one of those John Gross teams. Like it's just that's the type of roster that you built. And it goes back to Coleman Hawkins coming back. I know Terrence coming back is huge and that was big, but Coleman Hawkins' decision at the last second to come in, I think was a little bit surprising for them because they they went out and got Quincy. They went out and had like this four man ready to go and Coleman coming back made them kind of pivot of what they were going to decide to be. And, and it really gave them a little bit of like that, that rags to riches approach of like, yeah. just we got so many bodies here uh, that can play a lot of different ways um, offensively and defensively. Yeah. All right. As a trotter, you're the best man. Uh, best basketball game you've seen so far this year. Is it uh, I, the, the two that stick out are Marquette, Purdue and Arizona, Ford Atlantic. Um, I guess Purdue, Arizona would be up there too. Yes, those were, were the games. If you really want the nitty gritty one, Furman Tulane a couple oh, weeks ago was insane. What a insane deep dive game there! I love it. Yeah, right. Uh, here's the here's the the scoops of that game. Game winning three. They thought was a game winning three. Point seven seconds left. Put back on the clock from Furman. Long pass. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Tulane gets it. Chucks up a three to potentially tie it. Gets fouled. Hits all three free throws to force overtime. Double overtime winner for for Tulane. So that was a that was a banger game. But you're right. FAU FAU Arizona was probably my favorite game. That was great. That was great. As Trotter, you're the best man. Thanks for having me. Great stuff as always from Isaac Trotter. Check out all his stuff at 24/7 Sports. 
Com. If you haven't yet, take advantage of our 60% off holiday deal going on right now. 60% off your first year of VIP membership at Alana Inquirer. That's more than $70 in savings, just about $350 a month uh, for the best, most in-depth Illini coverage. We continue to cover the heck out of Illinois football and their offseason and what is ahead. Just have my story up on Aaron Henry uh, and what he needs to do to get more out of his defense because it was a disappointing year, year one for Illinois and their defense under Aaron and Henry, and he talks about some potential changes that they need to make, not only to their personnel, but their scheme and their approach. Uh, I found really fascinating. I know you got to see it to believe it, but I, I do find it interesting that Aaron was very open about talking about those things. So I think that's worth a read at Illini Inquirer. We got plenty more uh, on everything coming up with Illinois football, including. I'm breaking down some of the film of their transfers. I'll have my thoughts on those guys coming up. But, of course, we're in the middle of Illinois basketball season. We're about to turn the page to Big Ten play. And next week, we got two huge games for Illinois taking on Northwestern at home, a rivalry game. And then you head on the road to the toughest place to play in the Big Ten against the best Big Ten team that we've seen so far in Purdue that's going to be a big one. We'll have all the coverage of that coming up at Alana Inquirer as well. Thank you for listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube as well. But everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.